Chapter Three, Part One of The Chimney Corner by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in April 2020. Chapter Three, Part One: A Family Talk on Reconstruction our chimney corner of which we have spoken somewhat has besides the wonted domestic circle its habitues who have a frequent seat there among these none is more welcome than theophilus thoreau friend theophilus was born on the shady side of nature and endowed by his patron saint with every grace and gift which can make a human creature worthy and available except the gift of seeing the bright side of things his bead-roll of christian virtues includes all the graces of the spirit except hope and so if one wants to know exactly the flaw the defect the doubtful side and to take in account all the untoward possibilities of any person place or thing he has best applied to friend theophilus he can tell you just where and how the best laid scheme is likely to fail just the screw that will fall loose in the smoothest working machinery just the flaw in the most perfect character just the defect in the best written book just the variety of thorn that must accompany each particular species of rose yet theophilus is without guile or malice his want of faith in human nature is not bitter and censorious but melting and pitiful we are all poor trash miserable dogs together he seems to say as he looks out on the world and its ways there is not much to be expected of or for any of us but let us love one another and be patient accordingly theophilus is one of the most incessant workers for human good and perseveringly busy in every scheme of benevolent enterprise in all which he labors with melancholy steadiness without hope in religion he has the soul of a martyr nothing would suit him better than to be burned alive for his faith but his belief in the success of christianity is about on a par with that of a melancholy disciple of old who when christ would go to judea could only say let us also go that we may die with him theophilus is always ready to die for the truth and the right for which he never sees anything but defeat and destruction ahead during the late war theophilus has been a despairing patriot dying daily and giving all up for lost in every reverse from bull run to fredericksburg the surrender of richmond and the capitulation of lee shortened his visage somewhat but the murder of the president soon brought it all back to its old length it is true that while lincoln lived he was in a perpetual state of descent from all his measures he had broken his heart for years over the miseries of the slaves but he shuddered at the emancipation proclamation a whirlwind of anarchy was about to sweep over the country in which the black and the white would dash against each other and be shivered like potter's vessels he was in despair at the accession of johnson believing the worst of the unfavorable reports that clouded his reputation nevertheless he was among the first of loyal citizens to rally to the support of the new administration because though he had no hope in that he could see nothing better you must not infer from all this that friend theophilus is a social wet blanket 
a goblin shadow at the domestic hearth by no means nature had gifted him with that vein of humour and that impulse to friendly joviality which are frequent developments in sad-natured men and often deceive superficial observers as to their real character he who laughs well and makes you laugh is often called a man of cheerful disposition yet in many cases nothing can be further from it than precisely this kind of person theophilus frequents our chimney-corner perhaps because mrs crowfield and myself are so to speak children of the light and the day my wife has precisely the opposite talent to that of our friend she can discover the good point the sound spot where others see only defect and corruption i myself am somewhat sanguine and prone rather to expect good than evil and with a vast stock of faith in the excellent things that may turn up in the future the millennium is one of the prime articles of my creed and all the ups and downs of society i regard only as so many jolts on a very rough road that is taking the world on through many upsets and disasters to that final consummation theophilus holds the same belief theoretically but it is apt to sink so far out of sight in the mire of present disaster as to be of very little comfort to him yes he said we are going to ruin in my view about as fast as we can go miss jeanie i will trouble you for another small lump of sugar in my tea you have been saying that about our going to ruin every time you have taken tea here for four years past said jenny but i always noticed that your fears never spoiled your relish either for tea or muffins people talk about being on the brink of a volcano and the country going to destruction and all that just as they put pepper on their potatoes it is an agreeable stimulant in conversation that's all for my part said my wife i can speak in another vein when had we ever in all our history so many bright prospects so much to be thankful for slavery is abolished the last stain of disgrace is wiped from our national honour we stand now before the world self-consistent with our principles we have come out of one of the severest struggles that ever tried a nation purer and stronger in morals and religion as well as more prosperous in material things my dear madam excuse me said theophilus but i cannot help being reminded of what an english reviewer once said that a lady's facts have as much poetry in them as tom moore's lyrics of course poetry is always agreeable even though of no statistical value i see no poetry in my facts said mrs crowfield is not slavery forever abolished by the confession of its best friends even of those who declare its abolition a misfortune and themselves ruined in consequence i confess my dear madam that we have succeeded as we human creatures commonly do in supposing that we have destroyed an evil when we have only changed its name we have contrived to withdraw from the slave just that fiction of property relation which made it for the interest of some one to care for him a little however imperfectly and having destroyed that we turn him out defenceless to shift for himself in a community every member of which is embittered against him the whole south resounds with the outcries of slaves suffering the vindictive wrath of former masters laws are being passed hunting them out of this state and out of that 
the animosity of race at all times the most bitter and unreasonable of animosities is being aroused all over the land and the free states take the lead in injustice to them witness a late vote of connecticut on the suffrage question the efforts of government to protect the rights of these poor defenseless creatures are about as energetic as such efforts always have been and always will be while human nature remains what it is for a while the obvious rights of the weaker party will be confessed with some show of consideration in public speeches they will be paraded by philanthropic sentimentalists to give point to their eloquence they will be here and there sustained in governmental measures when there is no strong temptation to the contrary and nothing better to be done but the moment that the political combinations begin to be formed all the rights and interests of this helpless people will be bandied about as so many make-weights in the political scale any troublesome lion will have a negro thrown to him to keep him quiet all their hopes will be dashed to the ground by the imperious southern white no longer feeling for them even the interest of a master and regarding them with a mixture of hatred and loathing as the cause of all his reverses then if driven to despair they seek to defend themselves by force they will be crushed by the power of the government and ground to powder as the weak have always been under the heel of the strong so much for our abolition of slavery as to our material prosperity it consists of an inflated paper currency an immense debt a giddy foolhardy spirit of speculation and stock gambling and a perfect furor of extravagance which is driving everybody to live beyond his means and casting contempt on the republican virtues of simplicity and economy as to advancement in morals there never was so much intemperance in our people before and the papers are full of accounts of frauds defalcations forgeries robberies assassinations and arsons against this tide of corruption the various organized denominations of religion do nothing effectual they are an army shut up within their own entrenchments holding their own with difficulty and in no situation to turn back the furious assaults of the enemy in short said jenny according to your showing the whole country is going to destruction now if things really are so bad if you really believe all you have been saying you ought not to be sitting drinking your tea as you are now or to have spent the afternoon playing croquet with us girls you ought to gird yourself with sackcloth and go up and down the land raising the alarm and saying yet forty days and nineveh shall be overthrown well said theophilus while a covert smile played about his lips you know the saying let us eat and drink for to-morrow etc things are not yet gone to destruction only going and why not have a good time on deck before the ship goes to pieces your chimney corner is a tranquil island in the ocean of trouble and your muffins are absolutely perfect i'll take another if you'll please to pass them i've a great mind not to pass them said jenny are you in earnest in what you're saying or are you only saying it for sensation how can people believe such things and be comfortable i could not if i believed all you have been saying i could not sleep nights i should be perfectly miserable and you cannot really believe all this or you would be 
my dear child said mrs crowfield our friend's picture is the truth painted with all its shadows and none of its lights all the dangers he speaks of are real and great but he omits the counterbalancing good let me speak now there never has been a time in our history when so many honest and just men held power in our land as now never a government before in which the public councils recognized with more respect the just and the right there never was an instance of a powerful government showing more tenderness in the protection of the weak and defenceless race that ours has shown in the care of the freedmen hitherto there never was a case in which the people of a country were more willing to give money and time and disinterested labor to raise and educate those who have thus been thrown on our care considering that we have had a great harassing and expensive war on our hands i think the amount done by the government and the individuals for the freedmen unequalled in the history of nations and i do not know why it should be predicted from this past fact that in the future both government and people are about to throw them to the lions as mr theophilus supposes let us wait at least and see so long as government maintains a freedmen's bureau administered by men of such high moral character we must think at all events that there are strong indications in the right direction just think of the immense advance of the public opinion within four years and of the great successive steps of this advance emancipation in the district of columbia the repeal of the fugitive slave law the general emancipation act the amendment of the constitution all these do not look as if the black were about to be ground to powder beneath the heel of the white if the negroes are oppressed in the south they can emigrate no laws hold them active industrious laborers will soon find openings in any part of the union no said theophilus there will be black laws like those of illinois and tennessee there will be turbulent uprisings of the irish excited by political demagogues that will bar them out of the northern states besides as a class they will be idle and worthless it will not be their fault but it will be the result of their slave education all their past observation of their masters has taught them that liberty means licensed laziness that work means degradation and therefore they will loathe work and cherish laziness as a sign of liberty am not i free have i not as good a right to do nothing as you will be the cry already the lazy whites who never lifted a hand in any useful employment begin to raise the cry that niggers won't work and i suspect the cry may not be without reason industrious citizens can never be made in a community where the higher class think useful labor a disgrace the whites will oppose the negro in every effort to rise they will debar them of every civil and social right they will set him the worst possible example as they have been doing for hundreds of years and then they will hound and hiss at him for being what they made him this is the old track of the world the good broad reputable road on which all aristocracies and privileged classes have been always travelling and it's not likely that we shall have much of a secession from it the millennium isn't so near us as that by a great deal it's all well arguing from human selfishness and human sin in that way said i but you can't take up a newspaper that doesn't contain abundant facts to the contrary here now and i turned to the tribune is one item that fell under my eye accidentally as you were speaking 
Quote, the superintendent of Freedmen's Affairs in Louisiana, in making up his last annual report, says he has 1,952 blacks settled temporarily on 9,650 acres of land who last year raised crops to the value of $175,000, and that he had but few worthless blacks under his care, and that as a class the blacks have fewer vagrants than can be found among any other class of persons. Such testimonies jam the newspapers like stars. Newspapers of your way of thinking, very likely, said Theophilus, but if it comes to statistics, I can bring counter-statements, numerous and dire, from scores of southern papers of vagrancy, laziness, improvidence, and wretchedness. Probably both are true, said I, according to the greater or less care which has been taken of the blacks in different regions. Left to themselves, they tend downward, pressed down by the whole weight of semi-barbarous white society. But when the free north protects and guides, the results are as you see." and do you think the free north has salt enough in it to save this whole southern mass from corruption i wish i could think so but all i can see in the free north at present is a raging tearing headlong chase after money now money is of significance only as it gives people the power of expressing their ideal of life and what does this ideal prove to be among us is it not to ape all the splendors and vices of old aristocratic society is it not to be able to live in idleness without useful employment, a life of glitter and flutter and show? What do our New York dames of fashion seek after? To avoid family care, to find servants at any price who will relieve them of home responsibilities and take charge of their houses and children while they shine at ball and opera and drive in the park. And the servants who learn of these mistresses, what do they seek after? They seek also to get rid of care, to live as nearly as possible without work, to dress and shine in their secondary sphere, as the mistresses do in the primary one. High wages with little work and plenty of company express Biddy's ideal of life, which is a little more respectable than that of her mistress, who wants high wages with no work. The house and the children are not Biddy's, and why should she care more for their well-being than the mistress and the mother? Hence come wranglings and moanings. Biddy uses a chest of tea in three months, and the amount of the butcher's bill is fabulous. Jane gives the baby laudanum to quiet it, while she slips out to her parties, and the upper classes are shocked at the demoralized state of the Irish, their utter want of faithfulness and moral principle. How dreadful that there are no people who enjoy the self-denials and the cares which they dislike, that there are no people who rejoice in carrying that burden of duties, which they do not wish to touch with one of their fingers. The outcry about the badness of servants means just this, that everybody is tired of self-helpfulness. The servants as thoroughly as the masters and mistresses. All want the cream of life without even the trouble of skimming, and the great fight now is who shall drink the skim milk which nobody wants. Work, honorable toil, manly womanly endeavor, is just what nobody likes, and this is as much a fact in the free north as in the slave south. What are all young girls looking for in a marriage? Some man with money enough to save them from taking any care or having any trouble in domestic life, 
enabling them like the lilies of the field to rival solomon in all his glory while they toil not neither do they spin and when they find that even money cannot purchase freedom from care in family life because their servants are exactly of the same mind with themselves and hate to do their duties as cordially as they themselves do then are they in anguish of spirit and wish for slavery or aristocracy or anything that would give them power over the lower classes but surely mr theophilus said jenny there is no sin in disliking trouble and wanting to live easily and have a good time in one's life it's so very natural no sin my dear i admit but there is a certain amount of work and trouble that somebody must take to carry on the family and the world and the mischief is that all are agreed in wanting to get rid of it human nature is above all things lazy i am lazy myself everybody is the whole struggle of society is as to who shall eat the hard bread and cheese of labor which must be eaten by somebody nobody wants it neither you in the parlor nor biddy in the kitchen the mass ought to labor and we lie on the sofas is a sentence that would unite more subscribers than any confession of faith that ever was presented whether religious or political and its subscribers would be as numerous and sincere in the free states as in the slave states or i am much mistaken in my judgment the negroes are men and women like any of the rest of us and particularly apt in the imitation of the ways and ideas current in good society and consequently to learn to play on the piano and to have nothing in particular to do will be the goal of aspiration among colored girls and women and to do housework will seem to them intolerable drudgery simply because it is so among the fair models to whom they look up in humble admiration you see my dear what it is to live in a democracy it deprives us of the vantage ground on which we cultivated people can stand and say to our neighbors the cream is for me and the skim milk for you the white bread for me and the brown for you i am born to amuse myself and have a good time and you are born to do everything that is tiresome and disagreeable to me the my lady ludlows of the old world can stand on their platform and lecture the lower classes from the church catechism to order themselves lowly and reverently to all their betters and they can base their exhortations on the old established law of society by which some are born to inherit the earth and live a life of ease and pleasure and others to toil without pleasure or amusement for their support and aggrandizement an aristocracy as i take it is a combination of human beings to divide life into two parts one of which shall comprise all social and moral advantages refinement elegance leisure ease pleasure and amusement and the other incessant toil with the absence of every privilege and blessing of human existence life thus divided we aristocrats keep the good for ourselves and our children and distribute the evil as the lot of the general mass of mankind the desire to monopolize and to dominate is the most rooted form of human selfishness it is the hydra with many heads and cut off in one place it puts out in another nominally the great aristocratic arrangement of american society has just been destroyed but really i take it the essential animus of the slave system still exists and pervades the community north as well as south 
everybody is wanting to get the work done by somebody else and to take the money himself and grinding between employers and employed is going on all the time and the field of controversy has only been made wider by bringing in a whole new class of laborers the irish have now the opportunity to sustain their aristocracy over the negro shall they not have somebody to look down upon all through free society employers and employed are at incessant feud and the more free and enlightened the society the more bitter the feud the standing complaint of life in america is the badness of servants and england which always follows at a certain rate behind us in our social movements is beginning to raise very loudly the same complaint the condition of service has been thought worthy of public attention in some of the leading british prints and ruskin in a summing-up article speaks of it as a deep ulcer in society a thing hopeless of remedy end of chapter three part one a family talk on reconstruction and now let's head over to part two